Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders, brought to you by Central Michigan University, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality options. My name is Orlando Castellan, and I'm here with my colleague, Janelle Brzezinski. Hello, Janelle. Hi, Orlando. Great to be here today with everybody, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation about a really important topic that we'll intro here in a second. But um, just as we kick off today's episode, a reminder that you can find all of the episodes on our website, which is the centerforcharters.org. Um, we also are available on all the podcast platforms, so Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, looking forward to a, a great conversation with a great guest today. That's right. We have an opportunity to chat with the director of Discover You, uh, Sarah Weisbarth, whose organization focuses on positive youth development, uh, both impacting students in the classroom uh, through the programming that they put together, but also they've developed a train the trainer model uh, where they can assist teachers or uh, administrators or adults in school buildings to bring some of this positive youth development into the schools. And so, and she also uh, mentioned, or we also found on her website that there is uh, money available for this type of programming through the state. So really excited to have that conversation with her to hear a little bit more about the programming and uh, how they uh, bring that to life for kids in school buildings. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we're here with Sarah Weisbarth, director of Discover You, which is a positive youth development and social emotional learning program. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about the program you run? Yeah, um, thanks for having us and this opportunity to kind of share some insights around positive youth development with your audience. We started out as an out-of-school time program years ago, and we were noticing that the young people that we were interacting with we're really lacking some of those skills of resiliency. Uh, how are they self-aware? How are they making good decisions? What is uh, their ability to have critical thinking and interaction skills with one another? And we looked around for content and curriculum to really explicitly build those skills and resources in the young people that we were working with. And we couldn't find something that worked well with our, our youth. And so we developed our own. We developed our own. We've been doing positive youth development in out-of-school time and in educational institutions for over 20 years. With our developed content, we then started to incorporate um, and go into um, schools and deliver our workshops, our content and curriculum into classrooms. And we know that if we want to be sustainable and we really want to reach a lot of youth, then we need to shift and equip others. And so we've started to scale and work with the adults that work with youth and develop those adults into continuing to impact those youth in a meaningful way, developing those skills of resiliency, um, developing those skills that we typically qualify as social and emotional learning, um, developing those skills of 
positive decision making. I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) And in all, all the years of, you know, thought that has gone into this program and the concepts that you teach, and like you said, equipping others, certainly in those areas, you know, there's so, so many things really to, to touch on in that, um, where, where does the school start kind of what are focus areas? Um, you know, what do you see as the most critical concepts in that positive youth development? Yeah, as part of our our training programs, we start out with equipping the adults in some key areas. How do we look at strengths? How do we look at the strengths that we have as adults in the system? How do we look at the strengths of our students, recognize those strengths and elevate them? Uh, We focus on growth mindset. So if we can start to help young people shift their viewpoint of themselves, not only from a like a yet, right? That's typical when we think, think about growth mindset is like, oh, we just put yet behind everything. Well, growth mindset is also a belief that I have in my abilities. So if we can help students focus on what's good about them, their strengths, what's amazing, build up that resiliency, focus on growth mindset, and then start to really create some communication skills. Uh, We hear a lot about respect in the classroom, Um, respect between peers as uh, the young people, the students, but also respect between teachers and students going both ways. So the the aspect that we really focus on is how do we develop respectful communication skills of listening, handling conflict, getting our needs met, understanding why we behave the way that we behave. So that's the core. That's a lot, too. That's the core of what we start out with. And then we provide to those teachers participating in uh, the Discover You experience with activities and workshops that then they can incorporate those same topics right into their normal teaching plan. And so in kind of the post-pandemic world, even though we're still in the midst of the pandemic, right? So I I use that term loosely, but as we navigate through the challenges that have presented themselves over the last few years, has there been a shift in kind of those core concepts you just talked through, or is it really just reiterating the fact that we truly need to stay focused in those areas for kids to be successful? So I think it's intriguing. Um, I think that what we experience collectively um, in our own unique ways based on our individual experiences, but what we experience collectively um, exacerbated, highlighted, and pulled back the veil on what I think has always been there. The skills that we teach and discover you and the skills that young people need to be successful, engaged adults are the skills that we've been wanting to teach for years and that we have been teaching for years. It's emotional intelligence, it's 21st century skills, it's employability skills, it's life skills, soft skills. We just keep on repackaging and putting different names on it. (laughs) And we found, I think, during this collective um, struggle and crisis that, wow, there are some coping skills that our young people don't have, and maybe even as adults, that we don't have to be able to address such a, a widespread issue. And I think it's always been there but maybe not as as prominent. And I I think the pandemic just really highlighted that for us. Um, I I agree. I think many folks I've heard talk about how the pandemic has served as an accelerant, not necessarily as a catalyst for some of these issues that we have seen in society. And so that's, it's helpful to hear you talk about that. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the reach of your program, because I understand that you guys both serve students, but then you guys have a train the trainer model. And so can you talk a little bit about your reach and and how you guys uh, approach that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we've been doing direct service in the Great Lake Bay region for over 20 years. So we have our team that go into classrooms. Right? That's that's our initial reach. And we interact with those students directly. But now we've been able to move beyond that. And again, if we really want to scale and we want to reach as many youth as we can, we want to be able to impact those adults. So we've started to move beyond our region um, into the state of Michigan and even beyond we have adults that participate in our training experience that are from South Carolina, from Oklahoma, from Ohio. We've even had the opportunity to interact with a group of educators from Australia. We're really just wanting to essentially give away. I know I can't give it away, <laughs> but essentially share in a really positive way what we've learned over time, what we've researched over time, and what we know works so then we can put it in the hands of other adults. Thank you for that. And for those that are interested in searching out your website, discoveru.org, uh, discoveru.org. And so if anybody's listening and wants to follow along or search out the website as they're hearing uh, some of this content, you can certainly find it there. Um, can you explain a little bit about, <clears throat> as you guys are interacting with students um, and you guys try to combine positive psychology with social emotional learning. And can you talk a little bit about why that's important for our students uh, as uh, they're going through their process? Yeah. So one thing that we have found in the social and emotional learning journey is that, again, these are skills that have been talked about over time that are essentially personal growth and development. These are skills of how am I aware how am I managing myself? How do I recognize you and your needs? How do we interact together? And how do we make good decisions for myself personally and um, collectively to solve problems? We've bundled that up and given it a term, social and emotional learning. So some of that is about my own personal development, adults and youth, right? Like we're still growing in these skills as adults and we're modeling and helping young people grow in these same skills. But we also need to build that resilience. We need to build that self-esteem. We need to build that self-efficacy. And that's where that positive psychology piece comes into it, where I can have skills to be able to understand myself, others, and figure out how to get along. But how am I also feeling thriving, strong, and well? And the positive psychology really helps to build that. And we utilize what's called the PERMA model, it's an acronym, that stands for positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and purpose, accomplishment, and then health and vitality. And those six pillars of positive psychology have also concepts and skills that we layer alongside that social and emotional learning piece. And as um, as a school would look to possibly integrate some of this into um, into helping their students, um, can you speak a little bit more? You know, obviously there there will be a connection and a through line to a lot of the academic subjects that they're working on. But can you speak a little bit more to that and how you see that playing into their um, academic learning as well? So it's really intriguing when we um, help schools shape their social and emotional learning plan we first start out having a conversation with them that says, what are you already doing? And because there's been such a push of like, we need a social and emotional learning plan, people are like, well, we don't have one. And it's like, well, let's just slow down a minute. Because so much of what we're already doing with students is developing those skills and tools within them. So first it's just a pause and being like, hey, what are we doing well? And then we start to look at, well, where are the gaps? And then what do we wanna build from there? 
it's really um, a way for schools to say, how are we supporting students with those skills, tools, and resources to help them develop? And I got kind of excited and I realized I might not have actually answered your question. <laughs> um, it certainly, help, you know, help kind of put that connection there, but um, just really specifically on the academic programming, like how it how it connects to all different areas of their academics. Um, and, you know, I think that that's really what, what you are sharing there. And I do think too, you know, past academics, if you want to speak a little bit to the grade range that you um, that you really focus in on, but knowing it's a little bit more of the older student range of really how ultimately that there's a through line to some life skills there and, and where they would go with career development might, might be something that um, our audience would love to hear a little bit more about as well. Yeah, certainly. So when we think about these skills, a lot of um, what happens in the elementary space is, you know, all those things, there's that poem about what we learned in kindergarten, right? So that's what happens in that elementary space. But we've found in that middle school, high school, which is where we primarily focus on, is that the skill development to them to be able to execute the skills of good communication, handling conflict, critical thinking, decision making, get lost somehow. And we can attribute it to uh, developmental assets and the influence of adults um, in elementary years and how that starts to shift at middle school and high school years. And so we see a decrease in those skills, which is why explicit instruction is so important. But it can be incorporated into the academics very easily. Like we could talk about strengths, for example, and you can incorporate that into an ELA class. You could incorporate that into your social sciences. Um, and tie in the concepts into your normal academic learning. So it's an easy kind of implicit, but then explicitly, we know that if students are not happy, healthy, strong, well, able to get along, able to manage themselves, the academic learning isn't going to happen, right? This is, this is typical Maslow's, right? Like if I don't have those initial, initial needs met, my ability to learn is going to be compromised. So it's, it's skills and tools of how do we how do we help young people develop in such a way that then they're able to continue to be successful and then like you said move into that career development and those career skills it's all the stuff we're teaching is all stuff that employers are saying we want our employees to know and be able to do i used to do um, corporate development that's my background um, is a corporate development leadership training, communication training, conflict resolution, all in the corporate environment. And I would sit in my adult trainings and listen to people say, we just need to get this in the hands of kids. Man, kids just really need to know this. And I was volunteering for Discover You during that time period. And I would go into a Discover You classroom and talk about leadership and empathy. And the students really understood it almost at a greater degree than the adults did which is what helps to inform our desire to continue to equip those adults in the educational organizations so they can continue to support those young people. So Sarah, as I look at your website, discoveru.org, it appears that if I, if I was searching this out for my own child, my child can register for one of these sections. So that's kind of the what you guys offer. But then there's also an opportunity for you guys to partner with um, schools or entities that are looking to provide these skill sets. Can you talk a little bit about um, what the individual experience might be like as they, I see there's multiple uh, different kind of programs that you guys offer and 
um, at different times and different dates. And can you talk a little bit about what somebody's user experience might be if they come in and want to experience this outside of their school setting? Yeah, so um, it's really twofold what you're going to see on our website, because primarily what we're promoting is the adult training so that they can deliver our youth content that we've been doing for years. We still go in and provide that youth content regionally. So we're able to do that in the Great Lakes Bay region. Typically, we take our, our coaches manual, our lesson plans and workbooks, and we head into a classroom once a week. And we go lesson by lesson through our content. So we have that youth content that we go in and interact with those students with. But then if we're going to give the adults that youth content, we want to provide them with training so that they feel confident in that youth content and they can go off without us and do that work. So that's what you're going to see then are the other aspects on that website of those adults coming into a training experience. Our adult training experience is also laid out much like the students are. One hour at a time, over time, we have different blocks where we take them through our entire, entire training experience. It's live interaction, discussion, activity-based, reflection, which is how all of our workshops are set up for our youth as well. So it's not sit and get. I always tell people when they come into our training experience, if you think you're just going to like come online and not share your video and sit and get and walk out with your continuing education credits, you have joined the wrong training because um, this is immersive. It is a learning experience for the adults so that then they can model the skills they're learning with those students and then use that explicit youth content um, in their, their classroom and academics. And Sarah, you referenced this slightly here just a second ago, but um, just given the the statewide reach of, of the schools that we partner with, um, I believe, it, like you mentioned, it's a virtual option too for that. Um, just if you want to kind of stress that and outline what the structure of that would be for, for those that might be interested in a virtual training with your organization. Yep. So it is primarily virtual. Um, the exception is when we do in-person. We do in-person at volume and depending on geography. The great thing about coming in virtually is the 24 hours of training that we have available for those adults is done over time and in six hour chunks. And it's usually one hour a week. Um, the schedule is adjusted to be able to get things done faster or spread it out, whatever works well for people. And you can pick and choose. You can, I, what I say, plug and play. Right. Like I want to do these six hours in the spring. I'm going to hold off and do this in the summer. I'm going to plug this in in the fall. And we guide everyone through that process. But it is virtual. Uh, we have a learning management system that people would go through and do some preparation, watch some videos, do some surveys and come ready to learn. Because when we enter into that learning experience, we are spending that hour um, very intentionally and the really awesome thing about it being virtual is you get to engage with people across our state and across the nation. So some of the conversations that happen in training are really more about what's our experience like as educators together and how can we learn from one another? And the being a virtual facilitator is very different than being an in-person facilitator because I don't get to hear a lot of those discussions when I share them into their breakout rooms but I know those smiles that come out of those personal conversations, that there is incredible amount of connection happening there for our educators. And a little bit more on the logistical end um, is, is educators are the, the focus for some of those um, virtual trainings. Is there continuing education clock hours um, that, are, that would be a part of that for participants as well? 
Yeah. So because we're based in Michigan, it's been easy for us to apply for sketches. So yes, it is all sketch credit, all 24 hours of sketch credit. For those of you that might be listening outside of Michigan and share that, uh, you can apply uh, with our outlines and our programs um, for additional clock hours based on wherever it is that you're looking for that from. And not only can they get sketch hours, but I thought I read somewhere that there's some level of reimbursement or funding that they can get to help offset any uh, burden they have in that space. Yeah, so we have a unique situation right now within the state of Michigan um, for local ISDs, um, public school institutions, charter schools. I forget all of the terms that fall under the memo. But within the state of Michigan education budget, I think it's memo 00323, that there's the opportunity for reimbursement for um, training and services from Discover U, um, as long as funds last. That's obviously a first come and a first serve basis, but yet it has really removed some barriers for our institutions um, in the state of Michigan to get the resources that they're really seeking in order to support their youth through supporting the adult educators in the space. And that goes for paraprofessionals, um, really anyone that's employed and engaged within the school uh, learning environment can participate in our training and have that reimbursement applied to their participation. Well, that's wonderful news for for schools that are looking for this as a resource in these important areas. So, um, Sarah, we we truly appreciate you sharing your thoughts today. Such important topics as we um, we have partner schools that want to serve their students in in these important concepts. So, um, as we as we leave for the day, I'm just wondering if you could just share one more time about your website, where they can find information on that funding reimbursement mechanism, and what they want to do if they want to learn more. Yeah, so um, as I even mentioned, our website is discoveru.org. You can reach us at impact at discoveru, and that will connect us right to that email. It's right on our website. If you contact us, um, send us a note, send us a memo that says, hey, I'd like to hear more. We would love to have conversation with you. I think it's one of the greatest joys that we have in creating those relationships with those schools and hearing what's going well for them and seeing how we can support them. And then it's um, the state of Michigan education budget, uh, memo 00323. And there's links to that. You can just kind of um, internet search that, but you can find that um, throughout um, MDE's website or just Google that out. And we can always provide a link to that for more information. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. We really appreciated having you on today. Yeah, thank you. We look forward to um, supporting all of those institutions that you are doing the work of supporting as well. Great. Thank you so much. 